There's a time and a place for black and white, like when you're learning to play piano, or when you want a big two-toned cookie, or when shopping for a pet zebra. But if you want to attract customers, there's no room for black and white, so go to Staples. Staples specializes in bold, hard-to-miss color printing. And now at Staples, get 20% back in rewards on color printing, from banners to brochures and copies to presentations. Print more color, save more money at Staples. In-store only. Ends 11 10, 18. Restrictions apply. See store associate or staples.com slash 20 back for details. This is Brian Beversluis, joined by Brad Smith and John DeLong. How are you guys doing tonight? Doing okay. good. That was a very deep sigh there by John. So it's just you said you always say Brad's name first. Well, it's because Brad is our fearless leader. Yeah, I and should also be. I, I should, I, he should actually introduce me before he introduces himself. <laughs> alphabetically Hello, speaking, Brad's here. This is a fourth and short podcast. <laughs> Alphabetically speaking, Brad's name comes before yours too, so that's kind of where both I of you guys. Well, I guess if we're going by first name, which is the common way to alphabetically arrange names, but it's by first name, then yes, yes, you're correct. Yes, exactly. It's just something I do. I apologize if it offended you. That was not my intention, though. I take great pride in the fact that it did. So, that's <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm over. I'm over it now. Let's let's talk about the Packers game. Panthers. And All Packers right. Game. So. The Packers, or I should say the Panthers, managed to beat the Packers on Sunday. So they've come off two straight pretty impressive wins. Um, Brad, we know that you didn't get to check out much of the game, which is perfectly fine. So we won't pick on you too much for what happened during the game. But, John, any op- what observations do you have or what did you – what what did you see that you liked from the Panthers in that game? Um – Cam Newton calling a shot was the best thing I've ever seen. <laughs> in a football game. That was um, fantastic. I've watched it uh, 25, 30 times at this point. Yeah, I have um, to. I, hate, I, I can't I, stop watching it. <laughs> I hate that I didn't notice it live. Um, but watching it, like going back and watching it, the recording of the game, it was actually really hard to catch live. I'm surprised anybody caught it live. That and then the Luke Keekley yelling um, that they're not going to snap it on the fake punt. Those I love getting like really inappropriate dialogue caught by the on-field mics. So those are my big. That was my biggest uh, takeaway from the game. Fun but fact the- too. I was gonna say real quick while you're talking about that. Apparently, um, Aaron Rodgers and uh, one of the linemen was trying to figure out their protections, and mm-hmm. the lineman apologized to Aaron Rodgers because he had to be like, "Hey, you're wrong," during the snap. <laughs> and I found that to be hysterical as well. Is it, I didn't see that. Is that I need, we need to find that later? Yeah, but anyway, go ahead and continue. But I think the only issue we had was just the typical like find a way to let the other team get back into it late somehow, um, and letting Aaron Jones run, rip off a couple of big runs and then inexplicably get taken out of the game. 
Uh, I feel like I mentioned this in our Slack chat earlier too, but I feel like Carolina just legit did not respect the Packers' running game, and that's why they ran so well. well I don't think the, they cared at all about that. They and they shouldn't have because they played Jamal Williams, who averages a steady three and a half yards per carry, and Aaron Jones dropped <laughs> on the bench. Uh, except for the one time he touches the ball and takes it 25 yards. And they're like, all right, that's enough out of you, kid. Get back. You sit back down. And we talked about that last week with other Brian, with better Brian. And I was like, why doesn't Aaron Jones play more? And he's like, well, <laughs> he's like, Mike, Mike McCarthy's dumb. And we were proven that yet again, Mike McCarthy is dumb. Yeah, yeah I, I remember, him, I remember him saying it was two blind people playing chess. And that, that was pretty accurate. Yeah, yeah. When I said, I said, why is... Aaron Jones not coming back into the game after averaging uh, going for 47 yards on three carries. And I think that was when you replied uh, two blind people playing chess. <laughs> but we played really well apart from that, I thought. Um, obviously, Aaron Rodgers is going to have Aaron Rodgers moments. So I'm not upset that he threw the three touchdowns and stuff. Um, so I really don't know. Like, everything was good. I know that's like an co- easy thing to say, but I can't really single out a specific thing. But if but I, I mean- had to, I would go with Greg Olson being back. It was so fun to watch. That really was. And you're, you you hit the nail right on the head. I mean, like, they played well. Things things went well. There, there isn't a lot to complain about. And you have to remember, too, this was a Packers team that was, like, ready. They believed they could run the table and go to the playoffs. Like, they came yeah, out that, to play on Sunday. That was their playoff game. Like, this is the, this was the playoffs for them. Like, they're, they're galvanized by the return of their quarterback. They know they have to win all three of their games to even have a chance at the playoffs. Like this was, they were going to give us their best shot, like hands down, and we pretty comfortably handled them for the majority of the game. Yeah, I was really impressed with the specifically the defensive backs in this game too, mm-hmm. because even despite the whole Devonte Adams thing, which we'll get onto later, the Packers have a lot of good weapons on offense, and Aaron Rodgers is still a good quarterback, and the. The de- the uh, defensive line pressured Rodgers quite a bit, and I think that that did contribute to the bad throws he made. On top of the fact that you know he hasn't he's been recovering from collarbone surgery, um, Daryl Worley and James Bradbury again matching each other with interceptions, both of which were just you know good plays in the ball based on the throw. Um, the Daryl Worley's Daryl Worley's yeah. interception was the exact same interception he got on Case Keenum. It was and the I'm- same part of the field, the same throw. The same everything. <laughs> well, I mentioned that in my uh, in my skill drill post that I posted this week, but Worley does what Carolina is trying to do on defense better now. Like, Carolina is mm. not trying to sit down and zone the whole game and have their cornerbacks shut down wide receivers the entire time. They're trying to get the ball out fast so their defensive backs can play the ball quickly. And mm. Worley is especially aggressive when it comes to uh, underneath routes and whatnot. So teams have taken advantage of that in the past with like double moves and whatnot where this this particular game and last game the ball came out quickly Worley was able to make a play on the ball he gets an interception like you know it was a bad throw for both of those guys but you get the interception I mean that's that's gotta be there still play yeah he was there he was on his guy you know he made a play on the ball uh I can't have been the only one that when Aaron Rodgers on, I think all three of them, I think, when he let go of the ball, I was like, oh, no. Oh, no, because, as in, like, he's going to complete this? Or, oh, no, yes, as in this is yes, okay. because I think all three of them, I mean, I can't remember if I might be mistaken. I think all three of them were plays where 
I think, or at least the Bradbury and Worley ones were both plays where he kind of rolled or he rolled out and kind of bought some extra time and then heaved it. And those always seem to just like fall into the waiting arms of a wide open receiver. <laughs> so he, he just like danced around and he broke the pocket and then he, he turned and chucked it. I'm like, oh no, here comes a 60 yard pass. And then it was, we intercepted it like every time. I'm like, oh, this is, this is different. The Colin Jones one in particular was one where if Aaron Rodgers had made a better throw, it would have mm-hmm. been it would have been a forty yard completion. Yeah. Um, so great play by Colin Jones to jump in underneath that. As I said to Billy before the game, I I called it the emergence game for Colin Jones. Going to stick to that despite the fact that it may have been sarcasm when I initially tweeted <laughs> it. Um, but I said yeah, it. the words are there. You 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 can find them. You can find them on Twitter. You can't judge the intent. Exactly. The one thing that I really liked from the Panthers on Sunday, though, was the usage of Christian McCaffrey. Um, yes, especially the first drive. Yeah, I was going to say that, especially the first drive. He, what, what that showed me is the is the ceiling that Christian McCaffrey has as a Panther because they gave him. He had what nine touches on the first drive alone. Yes. Um, and he scored a touchdown, like. He was all over the place, and Carolina can make him a bell cow type player. He doesn't necessarily have to carry the ball like 20 times a game, but he can get 20, 25 touches and do well with it. And what I see with that is, you know, this year, obviously, Carolina is pushing for the playoffs, and when they get there, we'll see what happens. But in the future, when they add more weapons around him, because right now, currently, he's got Devin Funches and Greg Olson as the real legitimate options for weapons in the NFL, which it's not bad, but it could be better. Um, when they get weapons around Cam Newton who are more viable, he's going to be a problem because defenses then can't key on him as much. So I thought it was a coming out party, and I was really happy to see them feed him the ball like they did. But anyway, go ahead, John. The biggest thing about Christian McCaffrey, and we showed it on the first drive, was that, and it was why he was out on the first drive for the majority of those series, I think, was that we can have him out there and not tip off what we want to do. Like, we got in that little bit of a hurry-up in the beginning of the game, and surprisingly, it worked like it always does. And um, it's a lot easier to do that with Christian McCaffrey because Christian McCaffrey, you can line up anywhere. We can go into, like, a standard, like, I formation if we have a tight end. We can line up, like, Ed Dixon or Greg Olson, or we can split McCaffrey out wide, and it doesn't tip off anything. It's not like if we split Jonathan Stewart out wide, you're just kind of like, eh, whatever, he'll drop it anyway. Like McCaffrey was going wide and he was lining up outside as an outside wide receiver and beating cornerbacks on routes. And then the next play coming in, taking a handoff six yards through the, uh, up between the tackles. Yep. And like, even, even if that... he's not, yeah, even if he's not like a grade a player at either of those things, the fact that he's a good player at both is a huge, huge advantage for the offense. Yeah. And specifically, I want to mention um, his first touchdown too. Obviously, that's the play we were talking about where Cam Newton called the shot and scored the touchdown, which was pretty cool, obviously. But that dude took a – he went from the backfield, faked a wheel route, and ran a slant route and scored a touchdown. How many running backs in the NFL can do that, you know? Yeah. like There's a lot that, of stuff he does that running backs can't do. Like, Carolina has themselves a really good piece. They And I think that they are finally figuring out how to use him, and obviously the rest of the offense around him is playing much better. He's getting the blocking to average five yards per carry. I think you mentioned that earlier tonight, John. They uh, He's been averaging, what, five yards per carry over the last, what, five games? He's averaging like exactly that? five yards a carry over the last five games. Yeah. 
on a decent amount of carries to a camera with the exact amount is just an FYI. John Stewart is not averaging that many yards per carry over the last five games. Oh, that's a shocker. Um, so yeah, Carolina beat the Packers and after the Falcons beat the Bucks, effectively ended their playoff push. So that will be the second quarterback in the last two years that came back from a broken <laughs> collarbone and did not return for the rest of the year after playing the Panthers. So, yeah, a little bit different circumstances, but you are absolutely correct. <laughs> so, yeah. um, let that be a lesson to all you NFL teams that are listening. Uh, if your quarterback's coming back from a broken collarbone and the Panthers are on the schedule, give him an extra week to heal. Just to let Brent Hundley out there, yeah. Put <laughs> Callahan in there. <laughs> oh, man. There's one other thing from the game that I wanted to talk Oh, yeah. Uh, Demir Bird. Oh, yeah. House Bird. To the, the other thing. Um, that uh, Two touchdowns is good. One of them should not have been a touchdown. But I'm okay with it. I disagree. You thought that was you think that was a touchdown? Is it I because it he's Demir Bird? No, it's actually not because he was Demir Bird. <laughs> Even if it was a Green Bay player, I think it was a touchdown. And I'll tell you why. Because I know you want me to. Um I saw the why, replay. Brad, why do you why do you think it was a touchdown? <laughs> I I've seen it, you know, several times. They've it's been talked about all week. Uh there's an angle if you look. He has the possession of the ball in his hands. He is sitting on the ground in the end zone, and there is a millimeter of space between the back of the end zone and the the um, out-of-bounds boundary line. He was in bounds, sitting down, and the Packers player was touching him. And he had the ball in his hands. Here's, here's my uh, rebuttal. How many times have you seen a player go up, like, in the back of the end zone or, like, make a twisting catch on the sideline and one foot lands in bounds and the second foot lands out of bounds, but they go toe heel and their toe lands in bounds and then their heel hits out of bounds. That's always called incomplete. And that's yeah, basically and what I think Demir be. Bird did with his butt. I know it's, yeah, by the rules it shouldn't be, but it always is. It's kind of like a instantaneous thing. Maybe it wasn't a, uh, like maybe he didn't land out of bounds, but I feel like, in like all practicality, like if, if I was describing where he landed, I'd say he landed out of bounds. So I'll give you my take, even though no one asked for it. Um, What's your take, Brian? And initially, I felt it was not a touchdown, but after they really reviewed it and showed that one specific view that Brad's referring to, which, by the way, props to the replay officials for finding that, because that was a really <laughs> tough one, but... Um, that was like I a video did, game where you use like the orbit camera and you find like the exact angle you're looking for, like the way it worked yeah. out. Yeah, I do think it was a touchdown, but it was close enough where I wouldn't have been mad if if the refs decided to stay with their initial call on the field. Yeah. Um, I just feel yeah. like if that were the Packers and that happened to us, we'd be very irritated. Um, but I will say we have been quite the beneficiaries of the catch rule this last month or so. Yep. With hey, the I mean, birds, and then it's the very uh, ASJ and Adam Thielen's uh, quote unquote drops in the end zone. Yeah, well, see, that's another thing. I think Adam Thielen's was a catch too. It should have been, I would think, but yeah, yeah it should have been. And I think it's kind of the same situation as Demir Bird. It was a catch. And mm-hmm. one of the things I hate is I hate the inconsistency of the ruling. I'm actually on an NFL Network right now, which would be yesterday for you listening. 
um, they're replaying Pittsburgh and New England, and Pittsburgh got screwed by the the catch rule too. Mm-hmm. You know if what? If a running back runs with the ball and he the the toe or the the tip of the ball touches the invisible line that's right in front of the goal line, it's a touchdown. We've seen that plenty of times. You know, Jonathan Stewart last week fumbled it after he had reached it across. That's a touchdown. Why is it not a touchdown when as immediately when a receiver catches the ball and has two feet down in the end zone, the play should be over. He caught the ball. It's a touchdown. Like with Adam Thielen last week, he juggled it after he had caught it, got two feet down and landed out of bounds. That shouldn't matter. The play's over. It's a touchdown. Um, With Pittsburgh yesterday, that should not have been a fumble that should or an incomplete pass. That's a catch. You know, I have a better, I have a better example. Wait, you go ahead. No, you go ahead. No, you. So this is actually, I feel like the most uniform addressing of the catch rule this year, because so here's the difference in my opinion, Brad, this is not me saying that you're wrong. This is just my opinion on the matter. But so when a running back takes a handoff, there is no, situation where they have to establish possession but inbounds is that am i wrong with that like they 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 catch the ball out of the backfield and they have the ball they are a runner so then when the ball crosses the the goal line it's a touchdown that's why cam newton when he takes the ball from the snap there is no completion of a pass it's just he's a runner so once the ball crosses the plane it's a touchdown where with a receiver a receiver has to establish possession of the ball and he was never touched. He was never hit. He got the ball, did not, and as he was, he never, when you, whenever you have, whenever you're establishing possession of a catch, you have to go down with the pass. Um, it's the same thing like going out of bounds. If a receiver catches the ball, gets both feet in bounds, but hits the ground and the ball comes out, that's no longer a completion. So I think that, granted, it's a very convoluted and stupid rule, and I, I could see why it should have been a catch. And I, if they had ruled the catch, I would not have complained, but I can see the interpretation of the rule in the sense that he caught the ball, but never didn't, when he went to the ground and dropped the ball, it would, would, would have been an incompletion anywhere else in the field. Well, see, it shouldn't be. That's the thing. It's, they've me, got it so screwed up and confused. It, it, you, nobody knows what a catch is anymore. Let know? me tell you why it's dumb. Let me tell you right now why it's really dumb. Geronimo Allison was a fumble. He did the exact same thing that Jesse James did, except a Panther player knocked the ball out instead of the ground. Yeah. If Geronimo Allison did that exact same thing, he caught it, and when James Bradbury punched it, if instead of James Bradbury punching it, he fell, that would have been an incomplete pass. If he fell and dropped the ball, it would have been an incomplete pass. That's why it's dumb. If 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 they've established enough possession to where it can be considered a fumble by an opposing player, then it's a fumble. Possession to be considered like down by contact when they hit the ground. Yeah, the only dumber, only rule that's dumber than that is the if you fumble it out of bounds in the end zone and you're the offense, the defense gets the ball on the twenty. That's the only rule that's dumber than the catch rule. Yeah. Like, if you're going to make it a touchback, the offense should retain possession because they never lost it. The defense didn't, especially on plays like Derek Carr, you know, Sunday night. He dove for the the goal line. He wasn't – 
he, the fumble wasn't forced. You know, the defense yeah. didn't knock it out of his hand. So the offense shouldn't be punished for that. Yeah, I, I, it's it's just like uh, I feel like they should just move it back to the twenty, and it just stays the offense's ball. Yeah, that that's the solution. If you want to if you want to have a punishment for fumbling it out of bounds in the end zone, it's first and ten from the twenty for the offense. They don't lose. Oh, I wasn't going to say first and ten. I was just going to say whatever. It's just whatever down it or is. Or first and goal. Yeah, but they move it back yeah. out to the twenty. Yeah. Yeah. So if it's first down and you fumble to the end zone, it's now second and goal from the twenty. Yeah, I mean, it it solves the problem that that makes it a dumb rule, you know, you, because if he fumbles that ball and it goes out of bounds at the one inch line and doesn't cross the plane or hit the pylon, it's Oakland's ball at the one inch line. So why, because it, it goes over that imaginary line. Why does Dallas get possession automatically? That doesn't make well, any it's the sense. Same thing as a, it's the same thing as a punt though. Like a, like a, an offensive player possessed the ball and, put the ball out of the end zone. If you punt the ball out of the side, uh, it's also fourth down when you punt the ball. But if you punt the ball on first down for some stupid reason and you kick it out <laughs> of the back of the end zone, it's going to be a touchback too. Like, I'm just... Yeah, but punt it. I, I don't Devontae, disagree that it's a stupid rule, but I understand the logic behind it. We do need to move on before we run out of time, though. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. Devontae well, Adams. Let's move on to another controversial call. And by call, I mean suspension, but... So Thomas Davis, the Panthers intercepted a pass by Colin Jones, surprisingly intercepted the pass of Aaron Rodgers. And on the return, Thomas Davis turned around and totally lit up Devontae Adams. And clearly Poor it was Devontae Adams. Huh? Poor Devontae Adams. He's been had his clock cleaned on. Uh, yeah, that's the second time this year he's had that happen. This year. Yeah. Danny Trevathan lit, lit him up when they when they played Chicago. I, thought, I legit thought he thought he died when that happened, and and then he's like, "Oh, look, he's back in action." And then Thomas Davis tried to kill him again. <laughs> so yeah, Did- they uh, he was initially suspended two games, which was inconsistent with the punishment for some other things, but consistent with others where there was a two game suspension. Obviously, Davis's appeal held up. And he managed to get it down to one. Obviously, it was a very flagrant hit, and definitely within what the NFL can, constitutes as an illegal hit. Um, and we know that Davis, we know Davis was very remorseful about it. He apologized. He did the right thing. He's going to take this punishment on the chin. But still, there's a lot of Packers fans out there calling for his head on a platter. So, so speaking of that. You guys saw his apology to Devontae Adams on Twitter, right? Yes. Yeah. Did you happen to read the replies to it? A few. Uh, I read a few, and I got sick and disgusted, so I quit. So I'm reading through them, and I see like half of them are like, "Hey, good for you, Thomas. The guy, the league needs more good guys like you. Good for you for apologizing. Like, hey, man, it happens. Uh, we could tell you felt bad. No worries. And the other half are like. Go die in a fire. I hope the league bans you for the rest of your life. Yeah. And I was, so I started getting curious, and it was so funny because every like you could tell who somebody was a fan of based on what they said. Like if anybody says something that falls in that former category of what I of the two options I gave, always a fan of somebody other than the Packers. Every single one that said like dirty player needs to be banned, needs a eight year suspension, uh, should go to jail. Every single one was a Packers fan that had some 
sort of Packers reference easily like identifiable in their profile, like either as like a one of their like cover photo or their profile picture or like in their bio or something. So there's like all diehard Packers fans, super super upset. You know, it's funny because there's guys out there like Vontez Perfect who have literally tried to end people's careers before, and Thomas Davis being thrown in the same clout as that kind of drives me nuts because and like i yeah, mentioned sure. you guys pre-show um thomas davis he's what 30 33 34 35 something like that like he's he's been playing football for a long time and back when i played high school football a hit like that i would have been given a sticker and praised for it i'm davis is 34 by the way yeah like back when i played high school which was only like 2000 2008 2009 i would have been given a sticker and praised for that hit like Davis is Davis came from the era before this whole like concussion protocol awareness of illegal hits and whatnot, where knocking a guy on his ass was what you wanted to do as a blocker. And I guarantee that it was just kind of an instinctual hit. Like I get it, I have the chance to light this guy up on this block. And afterwards he immediately regretted it. It's like it's tough because the NFL is in this transition period where those kind of hits are no longer okay, but you get guys like Thomas Davis who are still around where, like, back in the day, you make a hit like that. I mean, Chris Harris is a prime example, the safety that Carolina used that used to play for Carolina. He's a prime example of a guy who used to light guys up and he was praised for it, you know? Yeah, we talked about, like, on, I talked about it on the show a couple weeks ago about how poorly the, the jacked-up segment is aged. That hit would have been, like, the number one hit of the week, and it would have been... Yeah. Universally like, praised 10 years ago. Everybody been hooting and hollering about it, and it's just not the way it works anymore. Like, I do think he deserves the one-game suspension, but I don't think it makes him a dirty player. I don't think he should get his Walter Payton Man of the Year patch uh, ripped off his jersey. Yeah, I think that's a little extreme. The thing about the suspension that makes me mad is it put Thomas Davis in such a terrible position. Put him between a rock and a hard place. Like a lot of this, like you know, a lot of the sentiment was like, if Thomas Davis really was remorseful and if he really did feel bad, he would just accept his suspension and appeal it. So the NFL, of course, has to come in and lay down by far, like twice as harsh of a punishment on Thomas Davis as they've laid on anybody else for the exact same offense. So now Thomas Davis either has to get screwed over by the a punishment that's excessive or he has to look like the bad guy and appeal suspension for a blatantly illegal hit. Yeah. So that's it's classic NFL ignoring every precedent they ever set and just throwing blindfolded darts at a board to determine. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's one thing I couldn't understand about some people on Twitter. I, I mentioned, you know, Davis deserved to be suspended for one game. And I thought that one game was fair because, you know, Juju Smith-Schuster was suspended for one game for what he did to Fontes Burfick. It was the exact same thing. It was the exact same play. Um, Rob Gronkowski was suspended a game for attacking a player from behind after the play was over, Mm -hmm. you know. And Davis was suspended for two games for – something that was less severe than what Gronk did and the exact same thing that, that Juju did. And it's like you said, they're throwing darts at a dartboard and it just, it doesn't make any sense. And the other thing that, that makes me upset as a Panthers fan last year, when, when Carolina played Denver and Mm. Darian Stewart and Danny Trevathan and all these other guys were 
knocking the shit out of Cam, nobody got suspended. Nobody got ejected. Um, one of them got fined, I believe. I yeah. think Marion mm-hmm. Stewart got fined, but that was it. Like media, national media weren't outraged at, um, at how Cam was treated. You know, he's a runner. He should expect that was a very common response. The only outrage we saw was from Panthers fans, you know, believe it or not. And our site, we were, we were very website, adamant about it. We were very yeah. adamant about it, but you, you could, know, I remember seeing like one, like it was like CBS sports or sports illustrator or something. There's like one article that wasn't like front page news. That was like, why aren't we talking about all the hits that Cam took to the head? And that I was think basically Lewis it. Riddick wrote the article. If I remember correctly. Maybe that, yeah. It was like there was one that was like there was one B list article that was like, "Hey, Cam Newton got hit in the head a lot, guys. Do you remember that?" And it was just kind of like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." You're you kind of right. Anyway, yeah. Other no suspensions, no nothing, and you know, we have Thomas Davis who hits who, who's making a football play. Yes, it was careless. It was reckless. It was irresponsible. You can argue that it was dirty. I don't think it was dirty because to me, dirty means there was intent. Like, I don't think he intended to give him a concussion or hurt him or anything, but we're talking about making Thomas Davis never play football again. And, you know, where's the consistency? Where's the, uh, where's the outrage for when something like that happens to one of the best quarterbacks in the league? You know, it's just, Mm -hmm. it bothers me that we, we have this, this great divide and how we react to this stuff based on what team is affected. There was more like outrage just, over Aaron Rodgers legally getting his collarbone broken. Yeah, exactly. Just imagine how much outrage there would be if Davis would have done that to Aaron Rodgers. Hmm. That is true. Thomas Davis might have legitimately gotten suspended for like two years. Yeah. It's just like the NFL completely ignore. Like they don't go by any sort of precedent or anything. They just kind of no. They don't. They, and what what they should have done, and it would have been a simple fix. Everything would have been fine. They should have ejected him from the game, and that was it. Yep. You know, no suspension. He pays a fine. He's ejected from the game. That should have happened. I don't know why it didn't happen because it was plain as day that he did it. You know. Um. And, well, yeah, you know, they flagged we, it for it. It's not like they didn't see it. Yeah, they they flagged it. They penalized him, and Devontae Adams never came back out on the field. Thomas Davis should have been ejected from the game. I I, I don't know I, why he wasn't. I do well, like the idea that uh, Walker has proposed, where if you get flagged for an illegal hit that concusses somebody, that you should miss as much time as they miss. I like the idea, but it's a dangerous idea. It is a dangerous idea, like if a player retires or something. Especially if a guy is put in the concussion protocol and doesn't actually have a concussion, too. Yeah. Yeah, you know Bill Belichick would cheat <laughs> the shit out of that system. Hey, we play the Steelers again in two weeks in the playoffs, and he, they concuss one of our, our fifth-string wide receiver. Um, you got some lasting effects, man. Yeah. You got a Michael Orr concussion. You're going on the injured reserve, buddy. <laughs> yeah. So... Moving I feel like on, we should to... talk about all the Pro Bowlers first because I think that's a shorter. Yeah, uh, we can go ahead and discussion. do that. Yeah, so. hang on a minute. Let me call up the list. Um, I've got it on my phone <laughs> right here. Okay. Um, Luke Keekley. And. Luke Keekley. Really? That's it. That's it. <laughs> that's it. Luke Keekley. 
But the so, Panthers have two guys with 10 plus sacks on the team. What the hell? Yeah, I, I think it would be easier because we, we already know Luke deserves it. I mean, there's no argument there. Um, yeah. Who's your biggest snub? That was the thing is I don't really know if we have any snubs. I think we have one. Is it Julius Peppers? Well, yeah, it's it's you know flip a coin, but either Julius Peppers or Mario Addison. I think both of them deserve recognition. I think either one of them could have made it over the other. But you know, there are some really good defensive ends in the NFC, so I kind I get it, but I just find it hard that that two two defensive ends with ten plus sacks on a on a team that's ten and four and has a chance to win their division didn't get to the Pro Bowl. Like I'm I'm sure that there'll be alternates. You know, Peppers is probably number one on the list on the alternate list, but I, I just I don't I can't believe neither one of them got in. The other guys were Demarcus Lawrence, um uh Everson Griffin, who I think does deserve it. Um, yeah, Everson have, Griffin they, definitely deserves it. They both there, have their no argument there. Griffin has 13 sacks. Lawrence has 13 and a half sacks. So, yeah, there was that's... one other guy. I forget who it was. Um, uh, <clears throat> anyway, continue while I pull that up. <laughs> it was Cam Jordan from the Saints. Cam that Jordan. Was... You know, Cam that's... Jordan does deserve it, though, because he's got he's the only person since J.J. Watt to record a NFL triple-double, which is uh, 10 sacks, 10 pass deflections, and – Something else, maybe ten maybe ten tackles for a loss as well. Yeah, he's got ten sacks and eleven pass deflections. I don't know what the other one is. Yeah, tackles. He's got fifty-five tackles. I think it's um, tackles for a loss, but anyway. Yeah, but um, apart from that, like I feel like we've been a, a obviously a great team. I don't know if we've had any standout individual performers though, for the for the entirety of the season. The only other one is Christian McCaffrey, but I don't believe he deserves it because I believe that there were several other running backs who were better than him. Todd Gurley, Todd Gurley Jordan Christian Howard. McCaffrey. Todd Gurley, Jordan Howard, and Alvin and, Kamara. And Mark and, Ingram. We'll talk, and Mark Todd Ingram. Gurley, Jordan Howard, Howard, and Mark Ingram all already have 1,000 yards rushing. Yeah. And Mark Ingram. So I, I, can't, I can't argue for Christian McCaffrey for that very reason. I do think that it we could be – saying that Michael Pilardi got snubbed, um, Graham Gano <laughs> possibly being snubbed, but that's about it. But it's so hard to make it as a kicker and a punter. Yeah, yeah. There's it, only one. Yeah, there's only one, and they usually just pick one. I think they just draw a name out of a hat, to be honest. <laughs> I'm guessing like Greg Zerline would be the kicker for the NFC because he's kicked 38 Yeah, that was exactly already. who it was. Yeah, it was Greg Yeah, Zerline. that's who it is. And, um, uh, Johnny, Hecker Johnny Hecker is the punter. Oh, so the Rams, the Rams swept the specialist. Uh, yeah, I, I think what category. they probably do is uh, the kicker. They just go with who has the most field goals. I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but with punter, they probably take the playoff teams and put put all their punters in a hat and just draw one out. Because yeah. <laughs> nobody punts in the Pro Bowl anyway, you know. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure it's true. just kind of like a. Let's see, who do we got it's here? It's a free and trip like, to Hawaii or Orlando or wherever they're playing it this year. That's pretty much all it is for the punter. They'll probably be the holder on the kit on the field goals, and that's about it. Am I actually believe it or not, this is pretty crazy. Um the AFC punter, Brett Kern for the Titans, is leading the NFL in net punting average. 
and Johnny Hecker second. So they just took one oh. two in net punting average, and they're like, oh, okay. you're the Pro Bowlers. Yeah, well, Easy that makes that. sense. Which is sad because there was a, there was an article about Pilardi a few weeks ago, and his net putting averages went down because Carolina, you know, can't get it done in, in past the fifty sometimes for some stupid reason. So that that knocks down his net punting average. Yeah, and then we punt from the twenty six yard line. Right. Yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah, Pilardi's sixth in net punting average. Um, was Harrison Butker a snub? We haven't talked about him enough. <clears throat> Uh, yeah, I'm going to say know. yeah because I'm, I have to be consistent with my we should have never let him go <laughs> take. Um, so he was he was snubbed. He, uh, Chris Boswell made it for the AFC. He's he's got a solid case. They're pretty pretty much right in line with each other. He's also kicking for Pittsburgh, and their their weather conditions suck a lot of times. Yeah. So yeah, he's got the uh, the recognition of playing for the Steelers, and the Steelers seem to have a couple games a year where they just decide that we're just going to only kick field goals this game. True. Seems true, like true. I think we've had it this year, but they're always. I think they. It seems like they have one game a year where they kick five field goals. Yeah, they kicked uh, four against Minnesota, and five against Cincinnati. There we go, and four against Tennessee, and four against Baltimore. So basically, Boswell just got it because he kicked more field goals than anybody else got it. He makes. He yeah, makes that's them. usually what it is for the Pro Bowl <laughs> kickers, because like I said, nobody kicks. Yeah, all they so, kick is extra points. And kickoffs. So, like they, they honestly shouldn't even kick at all in the Pro Bowl. They should be forced <laughs> to go for two every time. And kickoffs, they should just start at the 25. Like, there's no point in doing it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, like, man. you have to go for it on fourth down. Make it, make it watchable. Change it from your standard boring-ass football game with just different guys on the same team. Make it fun. Make it... You know, no fourth that, no punting, no kicking, no, um, you know, no defense, none of that. Make it where the final, like the NBA All Star Game, where the final <laughs> score is like ninety to eighty two or whatever. You're talking about the NFL game would be ninety to eighty two, right? Yeah, yeah. The, yeah. the, the, the <laughs> that NFL would be the NBA equivalent of two hundred to one ninety six or whatever it, like, it you, is. You just said the first half score of the NBA All Star Game on a slip. Yeah, the NBA yeah. All Star Game, both teams generally go over a hundred, but one hundred eighty um, or so. So, do we want to address the uh, big elephant in the room right now? Selling of the franchise? What? Might as well, since you brought it up. You already addressed it. The franchise is for sale? Yeah, Diddy's going to take over, man. <laughs> okay, Diddy since you said that, let me calm right some now. people down. Let, let me calm some people down, because that seems to be the biggest thing that anytime I write an article or write a tweet or anything about Jerry Richardson selling the team, I hope he did. He doesn't buy the team. Okay. Please listen to me carefully. He will not be the owner of the Carolina Panthers. It will not happen. End of discussion. Full stop. He won't because of one thing. It doesn't matter if he walked into Jerry Richardson's office tomorrow with a briefcase full of, with $3 billion in it. And if Jerry Richardson even said, okay, I will sell to you. The other owners, the other 31 owners have to approve the sale of an NFL franchise by a two thirds or three fourths. I can't remember which I think it's three fourths or two thirds. It's two thirds. 24 owners have to approve the sale. 
If you look at the demographic of people who own NFL teams, there are not 24 of them who would be cool with P. Diddy <laughs> owning a franchise. There just aren't. The numbers are not there. That's what I put my hand up and say. Votes. 24 out of 13 is actually 75% my fault. Oh, okay, so I was right. You were wrong. Um, <laughs> but anyway, um, 24 owners have to approve the sale of the franchise. There's no way 24 of them will be, say, yeah, let's let P. Diddy own the team. Now, I'm not going to get into why that's a problem, because it is a problem, but it's just a fact. I mean, it, it, it won't happen. Um I don't think he should own the team because I think he would be terrible because he doesn't know what he's doing. He I mean, he's already like talking about signing Colin Kaepernick video. and starting him. And, like, we have Cam Newton. There's no point in doing that. Um, he doesn't even know the name of the team. He calls us the North Carolina Panthers. Like He also he, prioritized uh, the halftime shows. It's like half-time the, the third show, item yeah. on his agenda. Yeah, like the part nobody watches. Like, we don't get to see that. We, we watch the talking heads do highlights. So... I mean, I'd be um, cool with it if Diddy did the halftime show literally every week. Every That'd be funny. No, here's here no. would be the number one upside to having Diddy on the team is if we could if he would own the team and we could put a camera in the owners' meetings and watch Diddy at the owners' meetings. Yes, I, that, I would be I would be down with that. That would be some electric stuff. Watching Diddy trying to convince thirty-one, eighty-year-old billionaires like what the league should do to appeal to a young yeah. audience. And then not understanding a word he's saying. Yeah, exactly. My thing I mean, is, all the names that have been thrown around are not wealthy enough to buy an NFL team. They're not. I mean, we already know what's most likely going to happen. Yeah, um, the minority owners are going to take the, over. Um, so. The Levine family or the Belk family are going to take over. That's the the one scenario that interests me and i kind of hope it happens is um former san francisco 49ers owner um eddie um debartolo wants to get back into the nfl and there's a possibility that he could buy the the panthers and i think that the other owners would let him back in yeah i was going to say he's got the 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 connections and stuff the other thing outside of the ownership group, I think, is just Bruton Smith, just because he does have the resources and he's like he tried to bring an MLS team here. He seems all about trying to own a professional sports team in Charlotte. Yeah. Um, I know Bruton Smith doesn't have a great reputation, but I do think he's probably on the short list of likely next owners. I think so too. The only downside to him is he's actually older than Jerry Richardson. Yeah, but he's got. Uh, but he has children. his son, so yeah, that's um, close with. Him. I think he's on the short list of you know three to five people. Definitely, he can afford it. Um, the only problem is, in a couple of years, we'll have to start dealing with: uh, Am I going to move the team or not? Because he's done that with with the racetrack and Concord. Um, yeah. Hold it hostage you know, for more but, money. Yeah, he holds it hostage for more money. But other than that, he would be fine. I, I think, um, you know, Mark Cuban's not going to happen uh, as much as we would like it. Mark the Cuban NFL would never let him in. What'd you say, Brian? Mark Cuban doesn't even want the team. He says the NFL is on the decline. He doesn't want to buy him in the NFL. Well, that's, that's his way of saying they don't want me and they won't let me buy. Um, he's deflecting. Um, but also, he can't own an NFL team because I believe there's a rule that NFL owners cannot own another sports franchise unless it's in the same city. Yeah, that's. 
I saw that that's because how, that's how Arthur Blank gets by with owning Atlanta United and the Falcons because they're both in the same city and share the same stadium. And then I saw that uh, Stan. Is his last name Cronky? From uh, yeah, the Stan Rams. Cronky, he owns the Rams and um, he owns two Denver the, teams, the Avalanche and the Nuggets, I think. Yeah, but they they circumvented the rule by like allowing him to put the Nuggets and the Avalanche like in a trust or something. Yeah. Yeah, he doesn't actually – he's not the owner-owner. Um, and but, he yeah. also owns the majority controlling shares of Arsenal, and I think that doesn't apply because it's not a, a U.S.-based sports team. I don't – because I know the Glazer own. family owned yeah. Manchester United. So, um, Isn't that funny okay, that they – Yeah, it's crazy. Quick soccer for five seconds. So the Glazer family owns the most – like one of the highest-powered, highest – Financially powerful soccer teams in the world, and they also own the Buccaneers. Yeah, it's it, it's crazy. It's like those two teams could not be more different. But on the ownership front, aside from who the new owner was gonna is gonna be, I'm cautiously excited about it just because I think it'll be fun to have a, a fresh outlook on things. And I'm yeah, 98 certain the team's not gonna move. Like Buffalo recently got a new owner, they didn't move. Jacksonville recently got a new owner, they didn't move. The the teams that have moved recently are didn't even change ownership. Like it's it's not a death knell for a team in their current location, and I don't think the Panthers have anywhere to go. No, Carolina, Carolina also had an uptick in uh, profits over the last two years as well. Yeah, we're so it, makes, up, it really makes no sense to move a team when you're making money. So well, yeah, we we've talked about up. this in Slack, you know, several times, but. Where would they go? Um, there's only two cities they could go to that have a a potentially better market than Carolina currently gives them. One is San Diego. The other is St. Louis. And both of them just lost their NFL team. So there's nowhere for them to go. Um, a lot of people have said San Antonio. There is no way in hell that Jerry Jones and um, – I'm there. Bob McNair would allow that to happen. They're not going to lose market share in Texas. I don't um, think they would anyways. The thing like you could, you could put eight more teams in Texas and nobody would cheer for them because they already are tied to the Cowboys and Texans. Yeah, exactly. And why would anybody want to try to go to San Antonio? It's like Los Angeles. Everybody in San Antonio lives and breathes and dies with the Spurs. Like mm-hmm. nobody there cares about, about anybody else. Um, it would be like trying to put like Louisville's another market that I see, but it's like they have basket, they have college sports. They don't care about the NFL. Yeah, they don't. They have Louisville and Kentucky basketball. They don't care about anything else. Um, you know, there's there's nowhere in the Pacific Northwest. You know, they you, Portland is a possibility, but why would why would the NFL want to be in Portland? They've got Seattle. Um, California is not going to work we have too many california teams as it is las vegas can't support two teams because the raiders are moving there chicago can't support two teams they already have the bears the bulls the white Sox, and the cubs there's there's nowhere the else have one of the most diehard fan bases in the league They're yeah not gonna... you're not you're not stealing from the bears it's just you're not going to be able to do it and it's like putting a team in pittsburgh and expecting steelers fans to stop being steelers fans it's not yeah no way that would ever happen there there's there's nowhere for them to go that's number one number two 
the stadium is paid for. It was paid for by PSL license. You don't have to pay for the stadium. It's recently been renovated. Like they completed it last year. So you've got a brand new stadium and a booming market. One of the top 20 cities in the entire U S um, a rabid fan base that's growing. Um, millennials are starting to pay attention. The, the team is only 23 years old. There's every game sells out every year, guaranteed. There's no reason to move. There's absolutely no reason for anyone to move the Carolina Panthers. So damn straight. What? So how do you feel about it, Brian? You've been quiet. You excited about it? You nervous about it? You indifferent? I'm, for the most part, indifferent because I don't think that the new owner will come in and move the team just because, like I said earlier, they've had an uptick in profits, and ultimately that's what you want. Um, Charlotte has a very large, wealthy sector, and it's a big banking part of the United States. It just doesn't make sense to move a, a large NFL franchise, especially one as successful as the Carolina Panthers have been as an expansion franchise, out of Charlotte when – you're making money. It just doesn't make sense to do that. Like, it's not like Charlotte doesn't want them there. It's not like they aren't willing to help them out with renovating their stadium. Like, uh, what happened with, uh, the chargers, you know, mm-hmm. it just, yeah, it just doesn't make sense to move them out. So I'm pretty indifferent to it. And I think that whoever takes over is going to hire a new GM and that GM will probably take over and see the personnel decisions and whatnot. So even if Diddy did take over for some reason, if that actually did happen, which, I agree with Brad. I really don't see it happening. But if he did, I know that most likely whatever GM he hires is going to be the guy making the decisions. So I'm excited because it could mean a couple things. One, <clears throat> new uniforms. Yes. Hell yeah. New helmets. And on top of that, we might get our logo at midfield. We probably yes. will get our logo at midfield. Yeah, the shield is gone because that was a Jerry Richardson thing. Like nobody else does that except for the the teams that share a stadium. So that's that's gone. We'll get a Panther on, on midfield. So yay. That that alone is enough for me to be excited about it. So I'm excited about it because I feel like that's, I feel like there isn't really a, like, I don't know. I don't think there's much of a downside. There's not. No, there isn't. And I don't think it's time for has... a change. And I'm not even going to get into the whole, is Jerry Richardson a good person or not? Cause I don't think it matters. No. Um, it's time for a change. Like he should be selling the team anyway. It's time for new ideas. I also don't think ownership has as big of an effect as the on-field product as people want to believe. Like people are worried that, like, oh, if we get a bad owner, then we're going to become the Browns. I don't know how much ownership really affects that directly. Yeah, like, I know it does have an effect, but like. If you if you get the right like you know GM in place, it doesn't really matter who the owner is. All they do is sign the checks and yeah, make business exactly. decisions. They don't make roster decisions unless they're Jerry Jones. All right. Well, sounds about right. Um, so hopefully we'll see a good owner come in. But regardless, like like you all said, seems like that doesn't really matter. So. Um, you guys have any last thoughts to add about anything we talked about tonight? I'm all set. Ready for this Bucks game. <clears throat> yep, and we'll definitely yep. talk about that later this week. I will plug our charity effort one last time. Um, 
So we are donating to the Thomas Davis Defending Dreams Foundation. We are our current goal is a thousand dollars, and we're hoping to get there before the end of the effort. So anybody listening, please go onto our website and donate. Doesn't matter how much it is, or if you can't donate, just share our effort because we're trying really hard to donate to a very good cause. And Thomas Davis, especially after all the stuff going on with this block, we need to remember he's a really good guy, a really big piece of the community. So please contribute, please donate, please share, do whatever you can. His effort is worth it. Show him we still support him, even though he almost killed a guy on a football field. Yep. And don't, forget, <laughs> don't forget to buy one of our hat game t-shirts. They're only 25 bucks. Buy one of our hat shirts. They're yep. awesome. I got mine in the mail yesterday. It's actually a really good shirt. Yeah, mine went to the wrong address, so I'm waiting to figure out how I'm going to get it. But um, <laughs> That is the shittiest advertisement ever, Brian. It was, it was totally my fault, if I will say that. But anyway, so from all of us here at the 4th and Short Podcast, this is Brian, Brad, and John signing off. You guys have a good day, have a good week, and have a good holiday. See you guys later. Later. I found a no with your name and a picture of us Even though it was framed and covered in dust It's the map in my mind that sends me on my way They say it's never too late to stop being afraid And there is no one else here so why should I
Hello, you are listening to Simone de Rochefort, one of the hosts of The Polygon Show. It's a show all about the video games that you'll never have time to play, brought to you by four friends who are just as passionate about food, soft drinks, and TV shows as we are about video games. Every Friday, we bring you a new hour of personal stories, like how we found the best way to play Yakuza 0, or even what happens when you play so much Zelda that you hurt your hands and can't play games anymore. Above all, we just have a really good time talking about the games that we love. Check out the show on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcatcher. You can also find us at Polygon Show on Twitter and send a tweet to say hi. Thanks for listening.